Hey everybody, this is Matthew Soltysiak and you're listening to Not The Same Old Lions Podcast. Using my sportscasting background, I speak with a variety of guests and interview key players to gain more insight on what makes this team go. As the Detroit Lions enter a new gritty era, we'll look beyond just the kneecaps when it comes to the analysis. Welcome to another episode. In this episode, we take a look at the NFC North champion Detroit Lions Week 18 victory against the Minnesota Vikings. We break down the 30-20 win and talk about what it means for the Lions, including the playoff matchup coming up against the Rams. As usual, we'll discuss what went well, any pivotal moments in the game, any concerns as well as takeaways and major storylines coming out of this contest. Let's get to it, Lions fans. Hey everyone, this is Lomas Brown, and you're listening to Not the Same Old Lions Podcast. I'm joined today by James Cook, as usual, senior sports writer for the Traverse City Record Eagle. You can also hear him on the Get Around Podcast that drops on Mondays. James, good to have you here as usual. Thanks for having me on, man. This week we'll be doing Tuesday. We're waiting for after the national championship. Yes, yes. And, you know, uh, we both uh, have a little bit of a voice left. We we got back from the game, and uh, so we haven't had time to watch the game yet in, in replay mode. And uh, we lost a little bit of our voices at the game, but it was well worth it. Um, a mm-hmm. reminder to the listeners, please hit that subscribe and like button. That's helping us build momentum, just like the Lions have been doing all season, folks. So right after the game, here's what Dan Campbell had to say. You know, I thought they did a heck of a job coming out of what we did last week. You know, it was a tough, uh, it was a tough loss, and to come in this week, man, mentally locked in, uh, ready to roll, uh, right mindset. It was a back and forth game, but I thought all three phases we complimented, complimented each other, and uh, really came out, uh, you know, to finish this season off the right way and uh, get a win. And now we've done all we can do to this point. You know, we bounce back. And that's, uh, I, I feel like that's one of our qualities, you know, that's, that's one of the things about us that, that I think makes this group special is it is a resilient group. They're able to, uh, to overcome adversity, snap back, um, and they've done that again. Um, so it, you got to have the right players. We got the right players and the right coaches. James, it is great to see the Lions win this game and bounce back from what happened in Dallas. You know, there were no lingering effects it didn't feel like, and the Lions haven't had any back-to-back losses all season. That itself is an impressive feat. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's a testament to how much they can bounce back from when they do not have the greatest game. Um, To to not lose back-to-back games is something you don't don't see a whole lot in the NFL this season. I mean, we were were kind of brainstorming and came up with only one or two other teams in the league that are able to do that this year for sure and again people wondered oh well how are the lions going to react after after everything that happened in dallas and well you know what they reacted quite well and they came ready to play we got to see some new additions uh, or some old additions renewed if you will and so let's talk about what we liked in this game i'm going to start with the passing game of the detroit lions i liked that jared goff was 22 of 32 320 yards Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero fumbles on the game. And he found Amon Ross St. Brown. Seven catches, 144 yards, a touchdown. He also was able to connect with Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, Donovan Peoples-Jones, James Mitchell, and even Dan Skipper had a catch. I just want to say, the the passing game looked pretty good. Goff looked great. Yeah, I think this is maybe one of Goff's best games as a Lion. 
And and that's saying something. Uh, I mean, seventy two percent completion, three hundred twenty yards, two two TDs, no uh, no turnovers. Uh, only took one sack. QBR of one hundred and twenty four point five. Uh, I mean that that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's our quarterback, and and that that's the quarterback of our offense, which by the way scored fifty eight touchdowns this year. That is the most in franchise history. The yards they accomplished, that's also the most in franchise history. And so that was great. I, I love seeing that in the game today. Um, I loved seeing Dan Skipper reporting. He reported in this game, and every time he reported, the crowd gave him a loud, loud cheer. Now, I think the hope is maybe during the playoff games, we don't do that because the offense is on the field. I heard it was pretty loud for the offense, but he reported. He even caught a pass in this game, and Coach Campbell talked about that as well. Oh, I thought it was great. Man, everybody loves Skip, right? You know, that he reported. He was loud. Uh, I thought he was very clear on what he did. And uh, he got a ball out in the flat, thought he tucked it away, ran up the sideline. So it was great. And look, let me say this, Brad, you know, Brad Rogers, the head official here, uh, is he worked our camp this year. Um, you know, he's done a great job and he was great. I thought I thought he handled everything really well, you know, because um, that's not easy to come in after what happened in Dallas. And you're going to be the guy in our game. And he, he's a pro and uh, he has been. He was great with communication. So. Um, anyway, everything was great. But yeah, I thought it was, you know, for the crowd to, to get up for a skip, that was good. We didn't put that in for the crowd. That was, you know, we just, we, we knew we were going to need him. Um, and it could possibly go there and it went to him. So, so James, how fun was that being at the game and seeing the, the skipper reaction? It was great. I mean, you know, we were, while we were at the game, we were joking, hoping that the Lions would, uh, announce Decker eligible, uh, in one of the plays early on in the game, just to kind of troll the NFL. Um, and I mean, they did troll the NFL on social media before the game um, when they had, you know, videos of a couple of the offensive linemen reporting, uh, reporting for duty as they were coming into the stadium. And then Taylor Decker replies to one of them and says, that's not me, not me. And they I think they retweeted it with another video of Dan Skipper. So, yeah, I love them that they did that there. And, you know, I love what the Lions did in the stadium. And, you know, what else was really cool was. Late in the game, Josh Reynolds had not quite gotten his yardage. I believe he was going into the game like 34 yards short of a $250,000 bonus and another one for a touchdown. And he wasn't near either of them. I think he was like halfway there um, on the yards. But they specifically targeted him right at the end of the game to make sure he got those 34 yards. Yeah, I think it was four consecutive plays. They threw screen passes, like just easy good completable not dangerous bubble screens to him uh so that he could get those yards to get the, the that bonus and that's what a player's coach does uh you know he he takes care of his players and makes sure they get that he's a free agent after this season so you know that's going to help with him resigning uh with the lions you know because he's he's a very good useful part of that wide receiver core um so, I mean, that that's just one of those things. And, you know, people are complaining about, oh, why are the starters playing? And like that. It, it's like those kind of things are why the starters were playing. You know, getting David Montgomery over a thousand yards, you know, getting uh, Reynolds, you know, his his yards to get his bonus, uh, getting a lot of things like that. Laporta setting the record for catches by a rookie tight end. Um, you know, all, all those kind of things. I think, you know, Dan Campbell enjoys getting the recognition for his players. 
uh, in making these milestones things. I mean, and that shows even one time he declined a five-yard penalty to accept a three-yard completion to Sam Laporta. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, that that is appreciative of your players and what they do and making sure they get recognition. And, you know, after the game, you know, they asked Campbell about the players and whatnot, and he said, listen, we, we've got 53 guys on the roster. These aren't his exact words. I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, you have to play players. People have to play, and you've got to be careful about it, of course. And, you know, Campbell said, you know, last night I prayed for the player safety. He goes, you know, I do that before all the games. And, and you just don't know, and you you try to limit some of their exposures to things, but anything can happen on any play. And so, so you know, it is unfortunate with what happened to Sam Laporta. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but before we do that, one other thing I want to talk about I like is I like the pressure our defense was getting on the quarterback. That was pretty good. We had four sacks. Jack Campbell had an awesome one. Aiden Hutchinson had two. Levi Anzarike had one. There were six tackles for losses. Uh, there were 15 quarterback hits in this game. Aiden Hutchinson had five of those. That just the defense looked like they were getting some pressure on the quarterback, and that was nice to see. Yeah, and it was nice to see them getting home after you know we've noticed the last few weeks them getting a, generating a lot of pressure, but not finishing it off necessarily. Um, and you know, and even pressure without getting a sack can still be useful. Uh, but but to get the sack is even better, um, and they were doing that today, which was which was very nice to see. For sure, for sure. Now, let's move over to the th- things we didn't like or any concerns we had. You know, I think the biggest concern of anybody is Sam Laporta and his health. Um, after the game, you know, we all, I think if you listened, you heard that uh, Dan Campbell said, it's not as bad as it looks, but it isn't good still. Like, you know, um, and so it sounds like, you know, he might miss a game. You never know. It could be more than a game. It, it, what We don't know. They're going to do more tests um, on Monday on this. But the good news is it, it seems like it's not as scary or um, season-ending like maybe it could have looked. Yeah, and, you know, and we even heard people at the stadium, you know, questioning, you know, why are the starters playing and, and all this. But, I mean, I think that goes back to Campbell and being a player's coach. And, and I bet he gave every one of those guys the option, do you want to play today or not? Every one of them said yes. Well, the other thing is, Campbell pointed out, they had two tight ends, right? They had two tight ends, so people got to play. I mean, and and you can't just sit Sam Laporta and bring somebody else on the roster when there's no space for somebody on the roster. So you have to play your players. Now, you are able to selectively let some of them sit if that's the situation, but the Lions were also still alive for the two seed, and while the odds were maybe not in the favor you saw the falling apart of Philadelphia and you never know what'll happen with Dallas on the road, even though it was against Washington. So, I mean, could you imagine not winning this game and then having those two teams lose and you missing out on the two seed? Yeah. I mean, that would have been pretty horrible too. And, and, and kind of, I think damaging to your psyche going into the playoffs, thinking what could have been, you know, had we gotten the number two seed, get two home games, or maybe even get the number one seed. Uh, well, you know, the one seed um, was locked up, so that wasn't was, an option. Yeah. If if they had gotten, you know, the two-point conversion the week before, the one seed still would have been in play. But, yeah, you know, getting that two seed would have been would have been nice. Um, you know, and, and even the Dallas-Washington game was pretty in doubt into the well into the second quarter. Uh, you know, that was a close game until Dallas finally started pulling away. Um, and uh, so, but you saw a lot of teams – 
even teams that did sit guys played a lot of their starters. I mean, the 49ers, yeah, they sat Brock Purdy, but they still played Brandon Ayuk. They still played Debo Samuel. I mean, those are star players for them that if they get hurt, that's a, a huge thing too. So even these other teams and, and the 49ers really didn't have anything to play for, but Debo Samuel still played. Oh, for sure. And the other part is we talked about this. The Lions have not had back-to-back losses this season. And we've talked for weeks now. You don't want to back into the playoffs. Even though things are clinched and we've driven in, you're going to feel so much better the rest of this week as you prepare for your first home playoff game, having gone out with a win, finishing the season off 12-5. and five. So so there's where we sit with yeah. that. Um, I want to bring up a couple of things I didn't like also. Um, a chronic one, third and long, getting off the field. I think there was a third and 30, and we didn't get off the field. And there might have been another third and long. We, we got to fix that thing. I don't know what it is, but we got to fix the third and long stops. Um, and then we lost the time of possession in this game. And I don't know what happened there. I, I guess Minnesota had some longer drives. And I guess it was we couldn't get off the field on third down and once on fourth down. And so so that would have been a nice thing. But those were a couple of things I didn't care for that kind of were like, all right, let's let's get those things fixed up for next week. Yeah. And and the, the Raymond injury is another um another concern out as well. It sounds like he'll probably miss a game uh potentially. Um so you could be without those two guys, but there's you know, you can still hold out hope that maybe you get James Houston back next week too. Yeah, you saw Lee McNeil come back this this week. You saw CJ Gardner Johnson come back and play well. So did so did Lee McNeil when he was in there. So uh, you know, hopefully James Houston could do the same thing. Yeah, that would be great. After the game, you're right. Uh, Coach Campbell did say that Khalif is probably in the same area as uh, Sam Laporta right now. So you're right, he could miss a game. Now, I believe Donovan Peoples-Jones does have uh, return experience, and he has depth in the receiving room. So that that might become that much more valuable of a trade that we made due to this situation. So you might see uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones getting a little bit more uh, involved in some different situations. And uh, hopefully, Jamison Williams is back next week. I think that's expected. Uh, yeah, true. I mean, and think of, Think of how uh, interesting it would be to have Jamison Williams returning kicks. <laughs> you know, it's not a, not a bad idea. You know, and then your other option would be uh, just not make Stephen Gilmore inactive. He was returning kicks in the preseason. I, I believe it was. I think it was Gilmore that was returning some kicks. Um, so he's maybe a possibility there, too. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's move on to turning points, pivotal moments in the game. I'm going to say the turning points for me might have been the second and third drive by the Lions. They scored touchdowns on those, went up 13 to nothing. And I just felt like the control was never lost. I believe, you know, Minnesota got it within a a single score a couple times within seven points. But the Lions never really seemed to look back after that, even if they were only up six or seven. And it just felt like they kind of had control of the game. Yeah, I definitely, my notes for the turning points I have, Taking the ball and scoring in their first two drives to set to set the tone. That's all I have for for the turning points is is just winning the toss, taking the ball, scoring the first two possessions. Yes. Well, they, they the first possession they punted, but the second and third ones they scored. And so, but they they scored before Minnesota got on the board, and that set the tone. You know, um, I guess if you look, uh, our running game wasn't as dominant as we may have thought it would be, but we were in control of the game. Um, the the numbers were pretty good, um, or pretty decent for running. Uh, Montgomery averaged four yards a carry. 
uh, Gibbs only 2.3. Um, but you know, they were adding some, uh, some value in other places. I mean, with Gibbs, they did take Gibbs out one, one time after he kind of blew up pass protection, uh, assignment, um, and put McNair or put, uh, Montgomery back in the, the game after I kind of thought maybe he was going to be out for the rest of the game, uh, you know, that they had set him, but you know, the running game I, I was, I was fine with, um, it was effective when they needed it. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why the time of possession is a little uh, skewed too, is because they threw the ball a little bit more than normal. For sure. That, that definitely affects the clock work as well. Yeah. 32 passes to 23 runs. Well, let's uh, let's look at the major storylines coming out of this, James. Detroit Lions are twelve and five. This is the second time in franchise history they've had twelve wins. The last time was nineteen ninety one when they won the division as well, and that is also the last year the Lions won a playoff game. And so, you know, mid season or before the season, I said eleven and six for the the prediction. When we talked at the bye week, I bumped it up one game to a twelve and five. I I'm more lucky than smart on this one because things can go any way you want. Either way, you got to be super thrilled with the regular season for the Detroit Lions winning the NFC North. That banner looked really nice up in the rafters at Ford Field today as well. And so uh, what a great regular season the Lions have had. Yeah, and, and they're setting all kinds of records, um, a lot of which they they finished off today. Um, you know, and, and and some of those are kind of the, some of the weird Little records, you know, like the thing where we had we talked about where they uh, had 15 games in which they had both a rushing and passing TD, which is a new NFL record. Um, they uh, they had scored a rushing touchdown in 16 of 17 games this season, which is which is a uh, another one ice one. Um, Goff became the first quarterback in Lions history to have a 95 or above QB rating in consecutive seasons. Laporta's record. Yeah, you're right. Laporta, with all those catches, he has a new rookie record for most catches by a tight end. And then uh, as far as touchdowns go, I believe the Lions had four different players with 10 touchdowns. That's impressive. And you want to talk about Montgomery? Yeah, well, they had the thing, the first set of teammates with 1,000 yards and 10 TDs in Gibbs and Montgomery um, on the same team. Same team. 1,000 yards from scrimmage or rookies? Yeah. No, a thousand yards from scrimmage with Gibbs and Montgomery. Um, a thousand yards from scrimmage and ten TDs. First time we have two players on the same team do that. All right, now uh, I guess they have three because Amon Ross St. Brown has a thousand yards receiving with ten TDs as well. Yeah, and I guess it could be two running backs, I guess. Okay, two running backs. Yeah. All right, and then if we throw St. Brown in there, you add his hundred receptions. Alliance tweeted this out that. He joins Herman Moore from 1995 as the only other player in franchise history to do that. A hundred yards, a thousand or a hundred receptions, a thousand yards, and ten touchdowns. I mean, this offense that the Lions had this year, I I do you think everybody understands just how good historically it is? I don't know outside of Detroit that a lot of people do. I you know, I think they realize that it's good, but they don't think they realize how good, you know, that the that the first team to have two rookies to score ten touchdowns. In a season ever in NFL history, you know, they scored the most touchdowns in franchise history this year with 58. Yeah. And remember, we talked about leading up to this. The Lions had gone years without a thousand yard rusher. Of course, we had one last year, but 
we were 45 yards away from having two of them this year. Two in one season. And I believe it was the 09 Carolina Panthers were the last time to do something like that. So those are just some great storylines and all these records that are being set. I mean, talking about records, the Detroit Lions sent five different players to the Pro Bowl this year. And that's, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Sam Laporta, Frank Ragnow, Jalen Reeves, Maben, and Penay Sewell, all very deserving. They have seven alternates on there. The, the one name you didn't hear me say is Amon Ross St. Brown. And, you know, he was asked about it after the game, and he said, I don't know how many 1,500-yard, 10-touchdown receivers didn't make the Pro Bowl. I guess I got to look it up and see. And so, I mean, we already know this guy doesn't need motivation. And, and to do that, and again, it's a popularity contest, and I expect him to make all pro this season. But uh, again, it tells you how much better this Lions offense, this Lions team, the Lions defense, every part of it has gotten since Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes arrived here. Yeah, for sure. And maybe he makes another one of those motivational lists of all the guys who made the Pro Bowl team ahead of him. Uh, maybe that's his next one. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Um, so, James, uh, let's talk playoffs. All right, let's talk about what we know. Um, we know the Lions are going to face the Rams at Ford Field on Sunday night. We're going to have a preview for that game coming out in a couple of days, so keep your eyes open for that. But let's get initial thoughts out here. James, what are your initial thoughts on this? Well, I mean, this, the Stafford-Goff comparisons are going to be off the charts and pretty much uh, every day for the next seven days. Uh, once you get past that, um, it's it's a very intriguing matchup. The the Rams were one of the most uh, on fire teams the last five, six weeks of the regular season. Um, and uh, you know, they set Matthew Stafford this week. Um, we'll, you know, you'll see if maybe, maybe he's rusty. I think that's another reason why Dan Campbell didn't want to set guys is the history of teams resting starters in the last week of the season and then being rusty again in the first week of the playoffs and not doing as well. Yeah, you know, there's a very good chance. I mean, remember the Titans a couple of years ago had the bye week and then they lost at home. Um, but yeah, you know, the Stafford, everyone talks about Stafford coming back to Detroit. And a couple of things on that. One, I, I really, uh, I think maybe the word frustrated comes to mind about the national narrative that the Lions wasted Stafford. And that's that's just not true and not accurate because we did have some good teams with him here. And so it wasn't like, so I just think that gets, that's a, uh, a easy generalization that people who don't understand enough information can just make and sound somewhat intelligent. Um, I also want to point out that everyone's talking about Stafford back to Detroit, but Jared Goff was thrown out of the LA Rams organization. He was traded away. Stafford asked to leave Detroit. So Stafford should have no hard feelings against the Lions. We gave him what he wanted. Jared Goff, though, is going up against a coach who didn't want him anymore. And so there's a lot more to that. And Brad Holmes is going up against an organization he used to work for. And I know I'm sure they left amicably, but there's a lot to this game. And you're right. This is going to be a really good matchup. Yeah. And, and you got Reynolds. I mean, the Rams are a team that let Josh Reynolds go, um, you know, and the, the Lions reclaimed, you know, let him kind of reclaim his career in the NFL. Um, so that's another one. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, it is, I think a kind of a revenge game for Jared Goff as much as it is for Matthew Stafford. 
Um, I, I don't think it's, I actually don't know that it's a revenge game for Matthew Stafford. It's just a playoff game, which is going to be important to him. But uh, it, I think it's a revenge game for Jared Goff. I think he has more motivation coming into this game than Stafford does. I agree. Uh, I definitely agree on that aspect. And the game is going to be Sunday night. You know, we thought the Lions would be playing the Monday night games that had the best storyline, but it looks like the Eagles and the Bucks are playing Monday night. And I'm just going to guess that knowing whoever plays on Monday night is at a competitive disadvantage for week two of the playoffs or round two of the playoffs. They put those two teams on there because that would be a lower seed, a five and four versus a one or a two or I mean, not a one, but a two or a three from either one. So that might be the reason. Either way, I'm excited for Sunday night football at Ford Field. Lions hosting the Rams. James, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Well, the interest, it's interesting on the scheduling that they grouped the NFC and the AFC games. The AFC games are essentially the first three games of the weekend, and the NFC ones are the last three, so that they'd be close to each other, so no team has a great disparity in recovery time before they have to play the next week. Great point. That makes a lot of sense, and I'm appreciative for that because then, again, it keeps down that competitive disadvantage or advantage point to try and keep things as equal as possible. All right. Anything else you want to hit on, James, before we get out for the night? Uh, it was nice to see CJ Gardner Johnson playing and playing well. Um, you know, there was a couple of a couple of kind of busted coverages in the secondary here and there, but I think a lot of that was due to the fact that they were putting new, you know, new people out there. Uh, you know, uh, Jerry Jacobs had a had some good plays, but he uh, kind of freelanced on one or two, and CJ Gardner Johnson kind of tried to make up for that and got out of position himself. Uh, once or twice so yep i think uh, you're talking about kirby joseph on those plays right yeah yeah sorry yeah it's all and, good it's uh, been a very long day for us and yeah it, it was it, great seeing cj out there and 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 iffy together yeah yeah and then and then uh you know kirby joseph did have some had some nice plays uh but was out of position on a few others so um you know with that three safety rotation it's going to be see, interesting to see how they how that shakes out. I mean, you didn't see uh, uh, Tracy Walker play. I don't think a single defensive snap. He just played on special teams, but you saw Will Harris for a little while, which is, which was baffling. Yeah, that was a surprise to see him out there. Um, But great atmosphere at Ford field folks. The, the lions actually had like indoor fireworks going off, which was pretty cool. And I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. That was the season finale. And next week, is the playoff opener home playoff game first time at ford field we all know that story james thanks so much for being here and uh talking lions as usual no problem man thank you thanks for having me folks thank you so much for tuning in you can find all the episodes at not the same old lions.com if you're listening on youtube please hit that like button and while you're at it tell your friends about the show and please subscribe regardless of your listening platform until next time Stay gritty, my friends.